Hello and welcome to Horror Culture on Shevel, the show that discusses all of the masterpieces and trash the pieces of genre cinema. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. And we've gone past our 250th episode. And I know you're thinking, 250 episodes, where are they going to take it next? Well, of course, we're discussing a cult classic that we should have spoke about a long time ago. Yeah, we're thinking after 250 episodes, we're going to straighten things up to be a bit more manly. And we're going to do some classic action. No, of course not. <laughs> We've gone for a camp called Classic here. <laughs> yes. Uh, a film that I always thought would be a podcast film because I thought it'd be trash. Mm. But apparently not. Apparently not at all. Um, we have a misunderstood classic on our hands. I think we do. This is, of course, Josie and the Pussycats from 2001. Yeah, um, up until we watched the film and I was looking at Letterboxd and I was looking at this, that and the other and realising that a lot of people really loved this film, I thought it was going to be shit. I believe this was actually part of our little thing that we do at Christmas where we buy each other uh, trashy films from the 50p section in CX. Of course it was. I can't remember who got it who, but one of us got it wrong. Um, yeah, I think you got it wrong. Maybe I did. Maybe if I did. If I'm remembering correctly, I think you got it wrong. Um, yeah, no, this is, this is nowhere near trash. This is a really clever, funny satire. Uh, and I can absolutely see why it's gained a cult following. Yeah, and now I realise when it came out, I was 13. Mm-hmm. I would have loved this film. Yeah. I would have ate this shit up. And I'm so disappointed that it's taken me decades to watch it. Yeah, I don't really know why I didn't watch it. I don't know why time. I didn't. Josie and the Pussy. I suppose I didn't really know Josie and the Pussycats. Mm. Didn't know what it was. I mean, Scooby Doo came afterwards, and everyone I knew who Scooby Doo was. Yeah. But Josie and the Pussycats, I don't really think here in the UK, it was that popular. No, I mean no, the, I don't the cartoon think, uh, yeah. series and the comic books. Yeah, I don't think it translated. I mean, this was supposed to be the first in a series of live action adaptations of Hanna Barbera uh, cartoons that would be geared more towards the older audiences that grew up with them, mm. uh, with raunchier humor. Uh, but the film's failure killed off such plans, and the following film, which would have been Scooby Doo in two thousand and two would be edited to a PG-rated film to avoid repeating this film's mistakes. Well, they kind of... I mean, it was more successful, but fucking hell. Scooby-Doo is perhaps even more adult than this. In what sense? Like the humour, like the little in-jokes here and there about drugs and so on. It's kind of like... I mean, we watched a compilation of it on YouTube. Yeah, I suppose it's a little more subtle, though. Yeah. I mean, Perhaps. There, there's one part of this film that's very unsubtle. <laughs> that's true. In its... That's true. <laughs> there is two versions of this film. Vagina-based humour. <laughs> yeah, there is two versions of this film. There is a PG version and a PG-13 version. Yes. We will be talking about the PG-13 version. Uh, this is written and directed by Harry Elfant and Deborah Kaplan. 
right. listed in the opening credits as uh, with the names underneath each other in a way that makes a lot of sense. Deborah Harry. I can only assume that was done on purpose. I very much appreciated that. Uh, they wrote and directed Can't Hardly Wait, Mary Plus Jane, and Liza On Demand. They also wrote a very Brady sequel, The Flintstones in Viva Rock Vegas. Or definitely a future podcast. I don't know if that's a misunderstood classic. Mm. Uh, Surviving Christmas, the one where the family, uh, where Ben Ben Affleck hires that family to be his family. Um, Maid of Honor and Childhood Forts. Of course, based on characters created by Richard Goldwater, Dan DiCarlo and John L. Goldwater. It was made on a budget of $39 million. Ooh. And it only made $14.9 million at the box office. Oh, in, to the point no. that the soundtrack, which was very well received, was so much more successful. Certified gold within a month. Uh, and is still getting reissues uh, two decades later. This soundtrack is very good. Yeah. it's It could have... If you had given any of these songs to, it may have been a little early, but someone like Kelly Clarkson mm-hmm. or indeed Avril Lavigne. Yeah. If you'd given them any of these songs, they would have been a top 10 hit. Oh yeah. I fully believe yeah. that. Cause I, I would have played the shit out. Of them. Oh, it's I, I will be listening to the soundtrack yeah. now. Um, so obviously it's very, uh, consume a heavy film but you know the themes and so on uh, and to stay with this tone uh from beginning to end there are approximately 73 companies who have product placements shown from logos to actual items ranging in entertainment electronics fashion food hygiene and cars and no money was received from all of the product place from the product placements in the film I mean, commendable. Yeah. But they probably could have done with the money. <laughs> yeah. Seeing as the box office wasn't so great. Uh, yeah, this is pretty much Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> in terms of consumerism. As you mentioned, you know, there is a lot of adult humour in this. And because of that, the family-friendly Archie Comics, which published the original Josie and the Pussycat stories, uh, would denounce the film and discourage people from seeing it. Strangely, many years later, the comics would not only be fine with, but also promote the television series Riverdale, based on the Archie stories, uh, and which features Josie, Melody, and Valerie as secondary characters. Oh, wow. Which arguably has much darker adult themes in its storylines than this film. In order to preserve the wholesome image of Josie and the Pussycats, Archie Comics also demanded that there be a scene where Josie and the Pussycats were seen brushing their teeth. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> have you ever seen any of Riverdale? I haven't, but I'm very intrigued now. I'm intrigued, mainly because they did an episode with Carrie the Musical. Mm. And if, you know, if you've ever heard anything about Carrie the Musical, you know that it's maybe a misunderstood classic. <laughs> or trash to piece. Um, and also, I think there's... Like, isn't Molly Ringwald in it? I think so. I think Sabrina's uh, in an episode. Uh, Skeet Ulrich. Yeah. Um, if anyone listening recommends Riverdale, let us know. Yeah. Oh, it's a bit of catching up to do. But I'm sure we'll get around to it when we're 35 or so. Well. <laughs> I tell you, my house has got a good cast, aside from Riverdale, this film. It certainly fucking has. And uh, let's talk about them in a section we like to call 
Hey, I know you. Meow. We have Rachel Lee Cook playing Josie McCoy. Uh, she is from She's All That, Love Guaranteed, A Midsummer Night's Dream, 1114, Criminal Minds, Psych, Dawson's Creek, Ghost Whisperer, and more. He's All That. He And He's All That. He's All yeah. That. Uh, the Babysitter's Club, the movie. <laughs> Uh, her singing voice was actually dubbed by the lead singer of the band, Letters to Cleo, Kay Hanley. What a queen. I know, uh, yeah. If anyone... I, I know, I, I'm sure everybody <laughs> has watched 10 Things I Hate About You. And if you have, you'll love Letters to Cleo. Yeah. Love it. I mean, Clueless as well. Yeah, that's true. They were, but they were actually in 10 Things that's I true. About That's true. That's true. They were the voice of many teen films mm. um, in the 2000s, um, late 90s. I mean, to the point that technically, you know, the lead singer is the voice of this entire soundtrack. Yeah. Uh, Rachel Lee Cook, I've not seen her in anything else prior to this. I've only seen She's All That. And she was the lead in it. She... It, ironically, she's probably the least famous person. Yep, she's the Josie yeah. of the Josie and the Pussycats. Um, but yeah, she's all. I love she's all that. I maybe I, it probably doesn't hold up. I haven't seen it in a while, but it's definitely a film you need to watch again. Yeah. Tara Reid plays Melody Valentine. Uh, What's Tara Reid been in, Gary? Uh, TikTok videos with Jedward covering <laughs> yeah. various songs. Recently, a video where she covered Hot In It by Charlie XCX. If you haven't watched it, watch it, do yourself a favour. <laughs> I also recommend the one where she's in a car park with Jedward singing Toxic by Britney Spears. It's also one of my favourites. <laughs> Can't stand Jedward, but... To- well, and I don't know, they kind of have turned themselves around a bit with their Twitter presence. Yeah. yeah Take, they taking have, everyone down. Yeah, they are, yeah. Um, but I mean, Tara Reid latched onto them through Celebrity Big Brother. It's so weird that she was in Celebrity Big Brother. That's a bit hard. Latched on. That's a bit hard. Well, they latched onto her. Yeah. They latched onto her. I would um, say Tara Reid's more famous, more famous than, than Jedward. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, she's known for Celebrity Big Brother, American Pie, of course, Alone in the Dark, The Big Lebowski, Urban Legend, Cruel Intentions, Sharknado, the quote about Sharknado, about how it could really happen. <laughs> The Wrong Cheerleader Coach, Andy the Talking Hedgehog, and lots <laughs> more. <laughs> and lots more. And, um, you know, speaking of Tara Reid and American Pie, uh, Rachel Lee Cook, Rosario Dawson, and Tara Reid had to go to band camp for two weeks to learn how to play uh, the instruments their characters use in order to look correct on screen. So Tara Reid found very funny. and Because of the running gag in her previous films. Uh, however... They did not become pro- <laughs> proficient enough to the level that they could play effectively on the soundtrack. And the actual music was supplied by studio musicians. Uh, but I'll tell you what, anyone who's listened to some previous episodes of this podcast will know, one thing that really pisses me off in films is when people are in a band, and it was a Slumber Party Massacre sequels episode where I yeah. spoke about it, and you can tell they're very much not playing instruments as a musician. It pisses me off. This film... That band camp did wonders because they look like they're convincingly playing these instruments. And you know what? Especially Tyra Reid on the drums. Drums is the one where it's very easy to get it wrong. But no, she genuinely looks like she's playing. Yeah, it does. Yeah. yeah and I think she's right, great actually. in this. This might be my favourite Tyra Reid performance because 
She knows exactly what she's doing and she does it really well. Yeah, at the end of the day, it's it's a pretty one-note character. Yeah. And she gets it spot on. Yeah. Tara Reid knows what she needs to do. She's played that kind of character in films. Um, not to do it dis- a disservice, but it is the ditzy blonde yeah. character. And Tara Reid did it well. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> Rosario Dawson plays Valerie Brown. Yes. Uh, of course, from Rent, the Lego Batman movies, Sin City, Unstoppable, The Mandalorian, Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Defenders, Death Proof, Zombieland, Double Tap. Um, and she's always fantastic in everything she's in, including this. Yeah, I like Rosario Dawson. It's, um, I, don't, I feel like I need to see more of her films. Uh, but yeah, well, I have seen her and I've really enjoyed her. Yeah. Alan Cumming as Wyatt Frame. Of course, from The Anniversary Party, X-Men 2, GoldenEye, Son of the Mask, Eyes Wide Shut, Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion, Sex in the City, The Spy Kids Trilogy, Spice World, Garfield. The list goes on. Very prolific is, is Alan Cumming. Yeah, good old Alan Cumming. He's uh, Scottish... American, um, always got a great sense of camp about his performances. I really enjoyed his performance um, as uh, the thing that I can't remember in Cabaret. Oh, he did it on the stage with Natasha Richardson. And uh, who was he in Sex and the City? The, is it the film or the TV series? TV series. Oh, he missed. He missed. He was someone in that. But no, I really, really love his performances in uh, Cabaret. Yeah, yeah. I recommend YouTubing it. He was very good. What is the name of the... Joel Gray? Played him in the. Oh, fuck. Okay, it's all right. And finally, Parker. <laughs> if if you know, you know who I'm talking about. I cannot remember the life of me. And finally, the legend. The icon, the moment that is. Parker Posey is in this as Fiona. She was the best thing about Scream 3, Superman Returns, Blade Trinity, Dazed and Confused, You've Got Mail, Party Girl, The Good Wife, Will and Grace, Spring Breakdown, The Eye, and more. I love Parker Posey. I think she is consistently, and it's not the first time you'll hear me say this, podcast episode so I'm going to say it because it bears repeating Parker Posey is consistently the best thing about everything she's in it's true she really is and in Scream 3 go back to our Scream 3 episode and she's the best thing about that I love Party Girl um, I loved her in that random TV movie with Shirley MacLaine that I was obsessed with when I was younger <laughs> Uh, the Mary Kay story thing. I, I love Parker Posey. Love her. I mean, when you look at her filmography, some things like Superman Returns and Blade Trinity, these aren't good films, but she still continues to be the best thing about them. Like, she just she just oozes camp. Like, no matter what she does, she's just so camp all the time, and I just love that about her. Well, she was known as the Queen of the Indies, um, so she was just in a lot of indie films. Mm-hmm. Um, and always sort of played, you know, supporting roles in the bigger films. And I, I'm just, 
I really am. I'm kind of waiting for her to have that big moment. Yeah. Where she really becomes a household name. Because I think, as a comedian, she is fantastic. And I just, I really want... I don't know. I, I think sometimes, as gay guys, we maybe sort of get confused as to how famous actresses are. Because in this house, Parker Posey is second to none. <laughs> Whereas I think in the wide world, if you asked a stranger on the street, what's your favourite Parker Posey film? They may not know. Yeah. And I think that's a real disservice to her talent because I, I, I really would like her to become a household name. I really hope they bring her back for Scream 7. Yeah, <laughs> she's dead. Well, she had the best fucking death scene in Scream Three. Yeah, but you know, we all know anyone can survive anything in Scream. That is that is very very. Do you know true. who you almost could have seen in this film? Who? Either Beyonce, Alaya, or TLC's Lisa Left Eye Lopes. <gasps> they all auditioned for the role of Valerie. Really? Like to the point that uh, Left Eye auditioned twice for it because she really wanted it. Apparently, Beyonce was too shy and quiet, and Alaya was more serious and thoughtful. Too serious and thoughtful for a comedy. Do you uh, do you want to hear my opinion on that? What? I think you should have replaced all three of the actresses with Alaya, yeah. Beyonce, and Lisa Left Eye Lopez. Because uh-huh. I was obsessed with those three. I would have went to see this film. I fucking loved them <laughs> back in the day. Um, and to say Beyonce like probably the most famous person uh-huh. on the planet uh, in terms of music to say that she was too shy yeah <laughs> Josie and the Pussycats and the other two um, are both not with us anymore unfortunately no. um, which is a real shame uh, but yeah I, w- I would have paid you good money to have watched that yeah do you have any more you want to mention? Um, I ooh, I think I have actually. Um, the band Du Jour are made up of Donald Faison, who you may know from Clueless mm-hmm. and Scrubs. Um, Seth Green, who you may know from it. Buff It, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Austin Powers movies, uh, Ticks. Ticks, of course. And I think he's done some voiceover work. Apparently he was in Guardians of the Galaxy. He is two. Howard the Duck in Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh. Uh, Brecken Meyer. He was in Clueless and The Craft and Escape from L.A. <laughs> and uh, Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. Oh, and Herbie, fully loaded. It's nice to see him in a film where he's not a stoner. Yes, yeah, that's true. That is true. And apparently Catherine Isabel plays Laughing Girl. So there you go. And we've seen quite a few of her films. Disturbing Behaviour, Freddy vs. Jason, Ginger Snaps. Um, yeah. Yeah, great cast. Yeah. Fantastic cast. So, let's get in. But could have been three of well, them. Well, it could have been. <laughs> Greatest could R&B have been. singers of our lifetime. But, okay. <laughs> Let's get into our feature presentation. Entertainment Weekly raves Josie rocks. 
It's the sexiest, sassiest, most stylish movie of the year. Yes. Fun, fun, fun. It's perfect. We will always be friends first. Irresistible, hilarious. It's Charlie's Angels meets Austin Powers. I knew there was a reason you were so popular. A sexy, cool comedy. You'll have the time of your life. Josie and the Pussycats, rated PG-13, now playing at theaters everywhere. So a group of teen fans are getting excited about the arrival of successful boy band du jour at an airport. Uh, one of the fans is a boy who looks like Frankie Muniz, and he reassures us that he loves them, but just like brothers and nothing more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that what you used to say about Backstreet That's Boys? That's exactly what I used to say. Fan club? Yeah, that is exactly what I used to say about Backstreet Boys. I love Boys. Backstreet Boys. Speaking of, um, du jour... Are absolutely a massive parody on Backstreet Boys and NSYNC. Oh, definitely. Like, I mean, the whole arriving in the airport thing, obviously, from uh, I Want It That Way by Backstreet Boys. Of course. Um, Also parodied by Blink-182 and all the small things. So it was very much a running joke back then, you mm-hmm. know, the way boy bands took themselves really seriously and, and, what, and what have you. And... Uh, yeah, this film does it really well. I mean, the whole thing is a gigantic satire uh, yeah. on the music industry at that point and popular culture at that point as well. Uh, and it does it really well. So, I mean, they arrive and they perform a song called Backdoor Lover yeah. for their fans. <laughs> Silphy. Um, so we get we kind of get that PG-13 energy yeah. from the beginning when they perform uh, Backdoor mm-hmm. Lover. Uh, and the the... Word du jour means of the moment, yeah, of the time, and again, you know, obviously, it's a comment on these sort of bands being so easily replaceable, yeah, and not lasting. Uh, Wyatt Frame, an executive with the pop music record label Mega Records, is confronted on a private jet by du jour over a strange backing track that they've discovered on their recent single, and this is after they bicker amongst themselves for quite a while. Yeah, Seth Green is absolutely fuming that Brecken Mile has stolen his face. So there's a specific face that he pulls on stage. Yeah. <laughs> and Brecken Meyer has... I, I don't know their names. Brecken Meyer has stolen it. One of them has a tribal tattoo. Yes. Just like most people in boy bands had. And all four of them are still wearing their headset microphones on the plane. <laughs> yeah. You know, the classic Britney yes. Spears... Uh, microphone. <laughs> I'm still wearing them, even though they're on their private jet. Yeah, Wyatt and the plane's pilot parachute out of the jet, leaving it to crash with the band still on board, ensuring their deaths. <gasps> Landing outside of the town of Riverdale, Wyatt begins searching for a replacement band for Du Jour. And this is when we get the opening credits, where we are introduced to struggling rock band The Pussycats, Consistent of lead vocalist and guitarist Josie McCoy, drummer Melody Valentine, and bassist Valerie Brown. Um, we get a fantastic montage of them doing various things, including Melody holding up various signs at the side of a road, including a honk if you love pussycat sign, where cats is covered, causing a bunch of cars to crash. <laughs> yeah. Honk if you love pussy. So there we are. <laughs> The band... That's the tone we're getting. <laughs> the band are doing various jumps in front of a blue sky, which looks like something out of a Bewitched music video. 
Oh my god, is there anything more late 90s, early 2000s <laughs> than women in either t-shirts with like um, wording and quotes on it or crop tops. Denim. And denim. Denim jackets. Denim uh, flared jeans. Doing jumping poses like the start of fucking Biker Grove. Do you remember Biker Grove? <laughs> Yes, I do. And uh, doing like splits in the air and shit like that. How more <laughs> 90s can you get? Um, the f- song we get in is top tier banger. It is. Three small words. Yeah. Um, including the lyrics, I'm a punk rock prom queen. <laughs> paper bag magazine. Now, anyone familiar with a paper bag magazine? Uh I'm assuming it's top shelf magazines. I mean, in a, you know how they right. like hide it in a paper bag, uh-huh. the porn magazine. So I'm not sure what they're going with with these lyrics. <laughs> yeah, during this montage, Josie's at the arcade and she's working at a coffee shop. Val is doing various forms of exercise. She's reading books to children and dressing up as Santa. Um, they got a load of. Kittens as well. They've got a load of kittens. In the kitchen, yeah. Which you don't see for the rest of the film. I where the kittens are gone. This is when we see them brushing their teeth as well. Yes. To give that wholesome image. Right next to a scene of someone holding a sign saying, Honky, if you love pussy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and they're, kind of, they're doing a car wash, aren't they? Yes. Like a, the t- not a sexy car wash, but a flirty car wash. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they're performing three small words at a bowling alley to an audience of people who couldn't give a shit. Did you notice during the credits, because you, you got the... Obviously, the three main girls. Yeah. Also some, of, also, some of the side characters. That is true. We Including <laughs> Alan M, whose <laughs> little introduction says, Alan M, the sexiest guy in Riverdale. Yes. And Alexander Cabot III, management. And Alexandra Cabot, attitude. <laughs> yeah. Um, Alan M, I'm not going to lie. Um, it's not through the whole of the film. By the end, he's not... As fruity, but he does come across as a bit fruity <laughs> in does. this introduction. So it's a bit like the sexiest guy in Riverdale. Like, he's come out by the end of the film. But he's he uh, definitely an Archie Comics character. He's definitely given Harvey from uh, Sabrina. Oh, don't. Sorry, I'm just reminiscing about Harvey. I'm, it, when I really think about it, Harvey was probably my first sort of on-screen crush. Not Alan M. Not Alan M. <laughs> but Harvey from Sabrina. The actual sexist guy in Riverdale. The actual... Se- <laughs> well, that was set in Salem. Oh, uh, yeah, of course. Wasn't of course. it? That was set in... Near the- enough. What, was it Salem? Yeah, yeah, it was Massachusetts. Or, or at least close by. Um, but yeah, when I really think about it, I don't think I noticed or realised at the time. But yeah, um, Harvey Kinkle. Um, not as good as my Free Willy story. No, it's not. I'm sorry. Um, Josie has the hair that Lisa Rinna thinks she has. She's, uh, it's, um, how would you describe it? It's not quite red. It's not quite brunette. Lisa Scott Lee solo career era. Or Lisa Scott Lee deeper shade of blue. Yeah. But less red. Um, but it's, it's the, it's the Lisa Rinna flicked at the end. She's given me Sylvia Superstar um, <laughs> and I expect everyone to know that reference means Vampire Killer Barbies 1 and 2 are still our most popular episodes. Um, but yeah, I mean 
I'd love to see this film with vampire killer Barbies instead of just in the pussycats. <laughs> Why the bases don't have his cock out by the end? <laughs> one thing I remember, he's got his knob out whenever he could in that film. One thing you remember. What's the big thing? Oh, excuse me. The big thing that I remember. The girls made $5 each from their bowling performance and they're confronted by some bullies outside when they leave. And <laughs> the bullies say, Look, Skanky had a rock show and nobody came. Which Josie responds with, Hey, did you guys all coordinate before you left the house? Did you wear the same thing by accident? Oh, it's not... Uh, Josie, it's not really... Uh, not really a read her, and it wasn't, wasn't it very wasn't good. Great. It wasn't great. It wasn't as good as Skanky playing a rock show to no one. Yeah. <laughs> um, could you be a teen film in the turn of this century <laughs> without having bitchy girls in pink? Calling like, people skanks. Calling people skanks <laughs> or just being mean to the, the, the uh, alternative <laughs> girls. Um, yeah, they're just like every other girl wearing pink furry outfits in their convertible car. Mm-hmm. And Josie and the Pussycats, or the Pussycats as they're known at the, at the beginning of the film, they're not like other girls. They're not. They're not. Val comforts Josie by reassuring her that she's a rock star. She's so unusual. <laughs> Josie is practicing. It's given me. This, you know the Slit song, Typical Girls? <laughs> and, and if you haven't heard it, listen to it. It's top tier. Um, but it's given me that. Like, typical <laughs> like that's who the pussycats think they are like <laughs> the slits um who who do you think would play them if we got a modern Josie and the Pussycats oh good gracious um Kelly Osborne. duh <laughs> Billie Eilish <laughs> and who are oh do uh, I'm sorry, uh, Dula Peep. <laughs> Who do you think? Uh, General Tega, Florence Pugh. Of course. Um, Are we talking actresses? Yeah. And Beyonce. Finally give her that role. Finally give her She'll look a bit older than everyone else, but still, give her the role. Do you know what? She actually wouldn't look that much older than everyone uh, Josie is practicing in the mirror when Alan M, sexiest guy in Riverdale, shows up in sandals. Ew. How can the sexiest guy in Riverdale show up in sandals? It's two thousand and one, unfortunately. And then, like, he asks her to fix his truck. Um, you know, she's giving strong lesbian energy, and he writes <laughs> improv songs on acoustic guitar based on their conversations. I'm sorry, Alan M, you're not the sexiest guy in Riverdale. You're a fucking nightmare. What? Imagine that. Imagine you're there fixing this fucking truck and he's just fucking going on, blabbering on about his songs. Excuse me. Gender is a construct and Josie is tearing that bitch apart. In general, she's she gives lesbian like, energy. She's not like other girls. She's not like most girls. Well, I wanted to be a lesbian. Who only take just what they're given, like a plastic little princess. <laughs> Luckily for Josie, she's not like most girls. Well... Alexandra and Alexander Cabot III show up whilst the girls are eating ramen to ask how the gig went. And they're fuming because Alexander wasn't there. Uh, the Cabots have a bicker, which involves Alexandra calling him nose job. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Missy Pyle plays Alexandra and she is great in this. I, see, I like Missy Pyles, but I don't know her from anything. Do you, do you know Missy Pyles from anything? Sadly, I think the only thing I've seen her in is A Haunted House Part 2. Oh no, what's that? A parody of found footage films. 
really. Oh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Oh, of course. She was she. Violet. No, what's the one? Who's the one that chews too much gum? Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. And you think... also call it Missy Piles. It's Missy Pyle. Oh, excuse Missy Piles. Wow. <laughs> she was in Dodgeball. Um, Messy piles, isn't that? What I don't understand is, again, much like um, Parker Posey, you know, great, great actress. But, you know, she's in stuff like Dodgeball, which is a good film. Um, The Artist, Galaxy Quest. But then she also picks stuff like A Haunted House Part 2. I Believe in Santa. You know, these real cheer or die, you know, Just My Luck with Lindsay Lohan and McFly, Home Alone 4, which is one of the worst films I've ever seen in my life. It's like, girl, what are you doing? Like, you're way better than this. And even, I, I really do not like that Charlie and Chocolate Factory remake. Because even in one of the fucking Cinderella story sequels, Once Upon a Song. Girls gotta eat. Well, apparently. She's, she's gotta eat, you know. She was also in Ma. She was really good in Ma. She has, and I, I mean this with all due respect, because she's a beautiful woman, but she has one of those faces for comedy. Yeah. She has a great comedic face. Mm-hmm. And I don't really sure what that means. I think, you know, a lot of people have comedic faces, but hers is a great one. Do you know what I mean? I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. Sound, do you remember who she does it? Do you remember who she was in Ma? Uh, no. The uh, the mum who was uh, going for a jog on the road and something happens to her. Oh, so she's not comedic in that one. I mean, she is. Yeah. Oh. She hams. She's camping it up. Oh. Um. But yeah. So the girls watch a news report about the jour going missing, and the news reporter announces they're all ready. Releasing an in-memoriam box set of unreleased <laughs> material. Something that still goes on to this fucking day when someone dies. I swear we get a new fucking Freddie Mercury album each year. Yeah. Um, what you probably get now is you'd get a du jour um, hologram concert. Yeah. Wouldn't you? But you know, the, whenever someone dies, they've always conveniently got loads of unreleased music backed up to be released. Yeah, and it's usually... I feel like this is definitely a take on that. If I'm being perfectly honest, it's usually a bit crap. That was always forgettable. Because if they were going to release it, they would have released it. Yeah. Obviously, they didn't want it releasing. Mm Mm-hmm. Because they didn't think it was up to standards. Yeah. And nine times out of ten, they're right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, This motivates Josie to try harder to make it, whereas... uh... Melody wants to get a search group together to go and find them. <laughs> she wants to do a charity bake sale <laughs> to get her some funds together to help. We then get an angsty female rock cover of the Beatles' Money, that's what I want, <laughs> and it plays as the three pink bitches go shopping. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, a bit on the nose, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> It's not subtle. No. It's, and it, it's like Gary said uh, whilst we were watching it, it, it's weird to think of this ever being aimed at children. Yeah. Because they, they probably, even though it's so on the nose and it, it's you know, satire on consumerism and the commercialization of music, 
it, because it's so on the nose and it's so obvious, kids still might not get it. No, they definitely won't. They will, they will figure out that something's happening with all this, but they might not fully understand it. Which is probably why kids didn't latch on to the movie. Yeah. But rather the music. Because yeah. Because the music is is music. Yeah. It it's universal. It, it's it's about lost love and it's about this that and the other. But the film itself, the real true message of the film, probably confused a lot of kids. Mm-hmm. Now I, I was what, thirteen when this came out. Yeah. And, you know, I don't wish to toot my own horn, but I was a clever kid, so I think I would have got it. I was. I was. I believe you. But downhill since then, you listen to the podcast, you'll know. Um, I think I would have got it, but other kids my age may not have got it. (laughs) Love it. I know. Humble match. Wyatt arrives at the record store uh, to play the final single by Deshaw. This music makes everyone in the store want to buy outfits like Deshaw and their albums. What specifically, they want to go out and buy orange clothing. Yeah. Orange is the new pink. And it's a running gag through the whole film that something is the new something. So, orange is the new pink. Mm-hmm. Um... Chris is the new Gary. Shit like that. An alternative girl tells Wyatt how much she hates the song. She hates the song. I said goth chick in my notes. Dressed in full blue banana gear for anyone from Coventry. Um, And uh, offers to tell him that uh, why she hates the song so much. But um, before she gets a chance to, he has her kidnapped. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we never see her again. Like she's murdered. Yeah. Seemingly she's murdered. No, we do. She's um in the lab. They're doing experiments on her and other goth kids. Oh. Oh, I missed that. That was yeah. a shame. That would have been funny. Um, Wyatt's boss, a mysterious woman, calls him and informs him that he has to find a new band as soon as possible. Conveniently, Wyatt's driving along and the pussycats, as they're being chased by the police who are trying to do an acoustic performance outside, uh, manage to step right in front of his car. Yes, so they are performing. Well, bu- busking. It's busking. I don't know the busking. It's not like they're trying to make money from it. I think they just want to perform. Just outside the record store, and the record store manager tells them to fuck off. Yeah, and seemingly calls the police, and the police get there really quick, um, <laughs> which doesn't seem quite right. Um. What I appreciated was that everyone leaving the record store was wearing orange. Yeah. <laughs> Head to yeah. toe orange. <laughs> and uh, as he sort of, ha- uh, Wyatt has to break to stop from running them over, a sign saying, is it number one band in America? Yeah. So goes past them as they're uh-huh. looking, you know, um, windswept or, or what, like looking like a proper band. And uh, yeah, he's very pleased that it's fallen Directly into his lap. Yes. They all go for coffee and he offers to sign them. He starts by saying, Girls, I cannot tell you how delighted I am to be sitting at this table with the pussy hats. Alexander and Alexandra show up and tell them not to sign anything just yet, but that's until Wyatt tells them what's in it for them. Then they're interested. 
So they go for a meeting in the bathroom um, about the record deal. And uh, Alexandra shows up as well, starts doing her makeup in the mirror. Uh, they decide to accept the immediate offer of a major record deal, despite its seeming implausibility. And they are flown to New York with Alexander, Alexandra, and Alan M, sexiest guy in Riverdale, who is posing as a guitar tech. Yeah, Alexander asks Alexandra why she's joining them, to which she replies, I'm here because I was in the comic book. <laughs> Uh, Josie, Melody and Valerie swear on their bus pass the only one in history to have three people in the photo <laughs> that no matter what they'll stick together Yeah. so I think we know what's going to happen question. they're not going to stick together a question yes. um, do you think this has the post scream effect mean so with that little line i'm here because i was in the comic book and uh, there is so much meta humor in this film like so many like little wink wink nudge nudge things in here uh do you think this is part of the scream effect that had on that was had on teen films of this era because i think it is i think potentially yeah being meta i feel like that was a big I suppose if that's the audience they're going for... Yeah. Because it's going to be a similar audience. Like, the Scream audience is going to be people who remember growing up with Josie and the Pussycat comic books. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming they're going to be of a certain... A similar age. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I suppose so. Um, the meta humour that comes from that. Yeah, because I think the thing is, when you're a teen film in the late 90s, early 2000s, you're either going to be an American Pie ripoff or a Scream ripoff, or you're going to take something from one of the two. Mm. Uh, I feel like those were the two staples of teen films of that time. And whereas I kind of expected this to go down the American Pie route, it actually went more down the Scream route for me. Yeah, but then you could also say something like the Brady Bunch movie. Yeah. Um, that was very meta. Mm-hmm. You know, stuff based on uh, even stuff like the Flintstones movie, which yeah. is, the, I think, the original Hanna-Barbera um, sort of live action film. That's, that would still have in-jokes mm -hmm. and be very meta. But in, in terms of teen movies, I think yeah. Scream was a huge influence oh, yeah. on that sort of meta -rization. Yeah. Which is a word I just made up. We get a montage of the girls getting a big makeover whilst their song You're a Star plays. I'm a star! <laughs> um, including the lyrics, wasting time in shopping malls. So, <laughs> being bashed over the head. And I like it. It's good. I yeah. do. It, you know, I think... I, I don't always appreciate having a message slapped across my face every five minutes. But it kind of works in this context. And yeah. We all love a makeover montage. And, you know, I, I like the idea it, it, that they, they're not selling out. Mm-hmm. Because I actually thought they looked much better after the makeover. Yeah. It's not like, oh, my God, I feel so uncomfortable in these clothes. I just want to be in a greasy T-shirt mm -hmm. and big jeans. It's like, no, you look fucking fierce, love. Yeah. And you go out there and be fierce. Wyatt renames the band Josie and the Pussycats without their permission, mm. and Valerie is unsure about this. Something that causes Wyatt to go on a bit of a racist rant about Valerie. 
Um, yeah. It's it's a weird one. Um, because he leaves Valerie out of an invite to a party, doesn't doesn't he? He, he does various things towards her. It's kind of. I mean, when he calls his boss, he's very much alluding to the fact that she's the only one that isn't white in the band, and he yeah. uses like various metaphors for it. So he he sort of he says to Fiona, who's the CEO of Mega Records, he says that ju- describing Josie and the Pussycats, just think Christina Aguilera times three, except one of them is incredibly tan. Yeah. Um, and he says, or else TLC with two white chicks. Yeah. Or um whole. Um, yeah, very much a sign of it. it's it's awkward. It well, it's just awkward, isn't it? Really? It is. Yeah. It's I I thought that the film and if if there's a criticism of the film, this is it. Because I actually thought they could have made a good point. Because obviously we're being slapped across the face Mm -hmm. with consumerism every five minutes. But I thought the idea of racism in the music Mm. industry, particularly in 2001, you know, and it's come up some way, but still holds up now. Yeah. The idea of Valerie being left behind or being ostracised mm-hmm. or pushed out of the band because of her race, I thought that would have been really interesting. I thought you could have had a really great message yeah. for a kid's film, you know, or a teen film of the time. I thought that would have really worked with what the film was doing. And yeah. it just I was a little disappointed that it didn't go further. Yeah. Because you have something like this... And if you're not going to push that narrative, then it's very, very awkward mm-hmm. and it's very awkwardly done. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. It, if there is a criticism in the film, it's that. I wish they would have gone a little further with that because it would have been relevant. Yeah. It, it would have and it would have worked mm-hmm. and it would have been something a little different to the whole consumerism thing. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Mega Records CEO Fiona Parker Posey is in a meeting with the world government representatives after wiping cocaine off her control panel to show them her lab. <laughs> uh, detail, she details how the United uh, States government has conspired with the music industry to hide subliminal messages in pop music and brainwash teenagers into buying consumer products. Musicians who discover the hidden messages in their music are made to disappear via stage plane crashes, drug overdoses, and similar disasters, where we get some clips of actual musicians who died in um, in these ways, including Elvis Presley. <laughs> yeah, she she kind of takes um, she kind of takes credit for Elvis's death yeah. and the Spice Girls breaking up. <laughs> And also suggests that VH1's Behind the Music show is about how they did it. <laughs> um, the uh, Eugene Levy <laughs> video about subliminal messages. Um, hilarious. Yeah. And this is why yeah, Eugene this is her Levy... way of demonstrating everything is by showing a short educational film where Eugene Levy, as himself, explains everything she's just said, but with an animated video. Very Jurassic Park. <laughs> but with Eugene Levy. Yeah. Um, 
subliminal messages. Now, my reference points in pop culture is that Simpsons episode. Yeah. And that Saved by the Bell episode. Mm-hmm. Um, can you think of any other films that or anything that deals with it? I can't think. The Lords of Salem. Did um, it? Yeah. Really? What's uh-huh. Lords of Salem? Is that a film? With Rob Zombie. Oh, um, really? Uh-huh. Um... I feel like there is. I don't think we've seen all of them though. Wasn't the did the gate? There is an eighties film with kids in that does that sort of thing, and I it could be the gate. I think it is. Mm. Um, but usually it's like death metal or um, black metal, heavy metal. Oh, if you play this Judas Priest yeah. song backwards, usually that's what it is. Um, no, I can't think of anything that's done it like this though. Well, in, in Saved by the Bell. Uh, Zach Morris uses it to make all the women fall in love with him. Mm-hmm. But um, they play a trick on him and pretend that even the men fall in love with him too. Because everyone's... The Beau Revere tape. They're all sharing the Beau Revere tape. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a great hilarity. Bill C comes on to him. There we go. <laughs> Um, the girls performed three small Did you words. Watch Saved by the Bell? No, I didn't know. <laughs> wow, you're missing out. I know. Wow, remind me to show you Hot Sunday after this. We used to watch that the random clips on YouTube of uh, Zach Morris being a dick. Oh, we did, yeah. <laughs> For so long. I yeah, well. we did. He was awful. That would have been one of them. That was a dick yeah. move. Yeah, he used subliminal messages to make Kelly fall in love with him, take him to the dance or whatnot. Yeah. Uh, the girls perform three small words for Wyatt in a studio. He plays it back to them and it makes them want to buy shoes and a Big Mac. <laughs> they uh, record Pretend to be Nice and we get a montage of the single becoming successful because of the subliminal messages. This includes a photo shoot. The girls literally climb in the charts. I mean, we actually see the charts and we see the characters climbing the charts. I feel like... That is, that's very cartoonish. Yeah. That is. Um, we, they're making a music video. People start noticing the band in public and loads of people are buying the single in stores. Oh, no, this is where they wash cars. And they wash cars here, shoot. yeah. yeah. Ah, no, this is where they, yeah, wash cars. Excuse me. The bullies come to visit them, dressed as them. They're big fans and they've even got the band tattooed on them. They have. Um, one thing... That Melody does, and she does it throughout the film, is when she gets excited, she starts running around, <laughs> screaming. Uh, and, and her jokes don't always land. <laughs> it's definitely the dumb blonde jokes. Yeah. Um, but it's very, very surreal. And high camp, when she just sort of gets excited and just runs in and out of rooms like a I, I'm assuming she's meant to maybe be a bit like a um a dog. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like uh-huh. a, a Labrador or a Golden Retriever. Uh, Wyatt hands Josie and Melody, not Valerie, invitations to a party Fiona is holding in their honour and tells them about a pay-per-view stadium concert they've been booked for. Well, I remember uh, the pay-per-view big pop group concerts back in the day. Spice Girls, oh my god, Spice Girls, Final Concert, Steps. Really? And everyone was like, oh my god, why are they all crying in Steps? Do you know why? 
it was that concert. <gasps> no. It was. That was on pay-per-view. It was on pay-per-view. And everyone was like, oh my God, what are they crying for? I think it was the same with Spice Girls as well. I don't think it was announced that it was their last thing. Oh. It was like, oh my God, what are they crying on stage? <laughs> the only pay-per-view I remember was um, wrestling. Do you remember Sky Box Office? WWE. Yeah, that's, that's how but... we used to, yeah. <laughs> Skybox office. No, those are the days. Oh, didn't they have like films as well? Yeah, Skybox yeah. Office. I remember that's where um, my parents watched Scream. Ah. Oh. Skybox office. I think it may have been called Sky Mirror Max. Ooh. Oh dear. The channel Sky Max or Sky Mirror Max. Yeah, I remember that. My auntie recorded Scream for mm-hmm. me, and I wasn't allowed. Um, yeah. But then I watched, well, that's when we watched wrestling, and that was back at the time where they, like, threw each other off stuff and, like, <laughs> slammed each other into uh, thumbtacks. I do, I do miss the, the pay-per-view thing. It kind of felt like an event when you'd watch something on pay-per-view back then. I'm not going to be that guy that's like, oh, back in my day, mm-hmm. oh, streaming services destroyed, blah, 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 blah. No, no, streaming services are very convenient, and they are... A lot fucking cheaper. Like, seriously. I mean, when you look at some of the straight to streaming services films that we've had, I mean, come on, Roma. Mm. You know, fucking everything ever all at once was put straight to Prime after its short theatrical release. I don't think streaming services are a bad thing at all. You know, we're still getting films in the cinema. Films are still making money and whatnot. But I do remember back in the 90s when, you know, you'd go to Blockbuster or you'd have a pay-per-view and, yeah, it just felt like a big deal. Can't really, not old enough. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Fiona, uh, whilst in an outfit with feathers hanging from every inch of her. <laughs> oh my God, what a serve. I don't know what she's going for. No. Serve. Um, she explains in her lab that the, during the stadium concert, kids will have to wear 3DX surround sound headsets, which will deliver subliminal messages from Mr. Movie Phone. Again, thrown back to the 90s when you used to have to phone up the cinema to find out the fucking show times. Oh yeah, what time's Anson? <laughs> well, they would be an automated line, and that's what this guy was. I mean, he was obviously oh. the American version. Um, the, the British one had a lot less personality. Um, and they would literally just give you the listings for all the films, and if there was a film that was like at the back of the alphabet, you'd have to wait the whole fucking phone call. <laughs> to get to it. Yeah. I think of any films that have been out lately. X-Men. X-Men. <laughs> Zoolander. Uh, Valerie watches a documentary under, in a bizarre series of events. Valerie watches a documentary on the village people in her town No, she doesn't. Yes, she does. No, it's Chief Captain and Tennille. Is it not the village people? That's not the village people. I thought that's what it was. I no. thought it was a village people documentary. No. Number one, do you want a pair of those headphones? I, of course. Like, I, I hope someone on Etsy has made a pair or, like, someone's kept them from the film because I would love a pair of them. Uh, no, she's... Oh, that's um, actually ruined it for me now. It's a lot Yeah, funnier. I'm sorry. It's uh, behind the music and... Uh, you know Captain and Tennille? Love... Uh-huh. Love will keep us together. Yeah. The suggestion is that they used to be called Chief Captain and Tennille, <laughs> and that Chief found out about the subliminal subliminal messages, and got chucked out the band. And behind the music is Chief 
being resentful of being chucked yeah. out of Captain Antoniel. Sorry. I'm sorry to... Uh... Wow. I mean, yeah, I, I can... There's cultural appropriation going on. Either way, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's not the village people. Uh, Melody is having a McDonald's product placement filled shower. <laughs> is she? Yeah, there is McDonald's product placement everywhere in that shower. In the shower? Yeah, like there's little like McDonald's plush in the shower. The McDonald's logo is on the shower door. How did you not see that? I didn't. How little Ronald McDonald toys. Uh, and someone enters the bathroom and writes, beware of the music on the bathroom mirror with lipstick. Yes. She adds a love heart to an eye and changes the O to a smiley face and then she isn't bothered about it. Yeah, I think it was Shangela. <laughs> who is this mysterious person who did this? I assume it's one of Dujour. Yeah, the only one of Dujour that we see again. Oh, yeah. yeah. Alan M... Gains feelings. Sorry, spoiler alert. Yeah. Alan M gains <laughs> the feelings. The sexiest guy in Riverdale. Yeah, he gains feelings for Josie after seeing her slaying in her new dress. And Wyatt interrupts them and says to him, Hey, what's with the initial anyways? It didn't work for Sheila E. It won't work for you. <laughs> we will not have Sheila E. slander. Thank you very much, Alan Cummings. Uh, at the party, Fiona makes a big camp entrance. She's like, hi, I'm Fiona. Welcome to your party. After a massive build-up of her walking down the stairs. Okay, why did that sound like you were going to say, hi, I'm Fiona, your freestyle dance teacher? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, she makes uh, a grand entrance, slaying again in her outfit. Yeah. Um, as Josie, Valerie and Melody enter the party, their inner monologue is narrated. Josie uh, is thinking, they're all staring. They don't think we belong here. Valerie's inner monologue is telling her, they're all staring at Josie. They don't think I belong here. And Melody's inner monologue is, if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. <laughs> there we are. A joke for the kids. Um, Fiona takes them to her room, which is no boys allowed, and suggests that they do stereotypical girly stuff. Yes, which, um, includes Fiona asking Josie how much she weighs. Uh, Josie says, um, 118, to which Fiona replies, ha, 115, I'm three pounds lighter than you. <laughs> Um, and I've got it in my notes, and I will say it again, time and time again. Parker Posey is a phenomenal comedian. She is. She really, she really is. Um, Valerie begins to get suspicious of Fiona and resents the attention that the label gives Josie, whilst Melody's uncanny behavioural perception makes her suspicious of Fiona as well. Are you getting mean girls? Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. Kind of that ditzy. Uh huh. Um, is it Karen in Mean Girls? Mm -hmm. And how she thinks that she's got a <laughs> uncanny behavioral perception. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. It's either that or Melody is uh, sat on an ice sculpture, but she can feel it. She can feel a chill. <laughs> I think something suspicious is going on. Um, Fiona orders Wyatt to kill the pair before they uncover the conspiracy. 
Alan M and Josie go on their date to the shopping mall when Josie is chased by fans so they end up in an aquarium. They're about to have a kiss, but a scuba diver in the aquarium takes a picture of them. Um, so Josie and who? Oh, Alan M, sexiest guy in Riverdale. The sexiest guy in Riverdale. Um, yeah, Josie's fans are ferocious at the aquarium. Now, it's a joke in the film, but all this is happening literally within a week. Yeah. <laughs> like, literally a week. <laughs> Wyatt gives Josie a copy of the group's latest single, which contains a subliminal message track designed to brainwash her into desiring a solo career. This is what happened with Steps. This is Claire. what happened. Um, yeah, she listens to it in the bath, doesn't she? She does. And uh, she misses uh, Alan M, the sexiest guy in Riverdale's call. Mm-hmm. Uh, Valerie and Melody are sent to a fake appearance on Total Request Live, where two fake Carson Dailies attempt to kill them. But that's not true. One of them's fake, and one of them is the one, real yeah, one of them Carson is the real one. Daly. Yeah. They attempt to kill them, um, but the girls survive by, um, well, uh, is it, I, I get them confused. Melody hits the real Carson Daly with a cardboard cutout of Matt Damon. Yeah, so she's chased, and he falls off the stage. She's chased around the set and there's all cardboard cutouts of uh, many celebrities, including, of course, Brittany and Christina. Brittany and Christina, Johnny Depp. And obviously Melody's weapon of choice, Matt Damon. <laughs> and I did I did laugh. I watched Total Request Live religiously. I I mean every day I watched Total Request Live. So I was I was uh, sort of fangirling out at this. And Carson Daly uh, Melody says, Oh my god, it's Carson and Carson Daly goes, Oh my god, it's Melody <laughs> He also says this is not Total Request Live. It's more Total Request Dead. I, the best joke of the film. I'm sorry. I, I, like I said, I was fangirling out. I love Total Request Live. I watched it every single day on MTV. I thought it was the best thing. I thought it was the coolest thing. I, I didn't think Carson Daly was particularly cool. Um, but this is where Carson Daly and Tara Reid met. And they got engaged. They did. Um, they, I think they broke up like within the year. They did. But that was a big <laughs> thing for me back then. I was like, oh my God, Tara Reid and Carson <laughs> Daly engaged. Wow. Yeah. Um, and the fake Carson has a fall whilst he's attacking Valerie because he gets upset that she says all of his impressions are shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the joke is that he's black and... How can, I can be Carson Daly. I can do impressions. And then he does impressions of um, Eddie Murphy. Chris Rock. Chris Rock. Um, oh, who's the other one he did? No. I know who it is, but we don't talk about it. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, well it, it's Bill Cosby. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so after arguing with her bandmates, Josie realises that the single caused the fight. Her suspicions are confirmed when she uses a mixing board to make the subliminal track audible. Yeah, one thing about this film is, and I think it's definitely a reference to sort of comics and cartoons, is that everything is resolved very quickly. Yeah. 
it's kind of these like it doesn't last very long no. these issues and then they're just kind of on to the next one and they kind of find out these things very easily um, Fiona catches her unaware and Fiona and Wyatt plan for Josie to perform solo but when the band insists on performing together they threaten to kill Melody and Valerie in a staged car explosion if they do not comply Oh yeah, when they're arguing, uh, Josie tells Melody that uh, puppies grow up to become dogs and <laughs> eventually die, <laughs> just to upset her. Uh, and I also liked when Alexandra said to Josie, "I heard what you said, bitchy McBitch. I wish I'd said it." <laughs> um, yeah, and one of the subliminal uh, subli- subliminal. The more I say it, the more I struggle with it. Subliminal messages is that. Heath Ledger is the new Matt Damon. <laughs> little obsession with Matt Damon, don't you think? Yes. Um, however, uh, after the uh, the threat to stage a car crash, yes. the badly injured members of Dujour arrive and thwart the pair's plan, having survived the plane crash by landing the plane in the middle of a Metallica concert where they were assaulted by fans. But the lead singer got away with it better than the others because he knew all the words to enter Sandman. <laughs> yes. Um. So, this is Les, and he's played by Alexander Martin, mm-hmm. who wasn't part of Hey I Know You. No. With all due respect to that man, I don't know who he is. <laughs> um. He's the only one that now has a speaking part. The rest of the band are in bandages <laughs> from head to toe. Probably not the same actors. And definitely not the same actors. <laughs> um, Alexander Martin, I'm sorry to that man, but clearly you were the least famous and had more time on your hands. <laughs> so I could do two scenes rather than one. This is a really funny take, though, on um, the whole idea that metal fans or like alternative music fans get really pissed off at uh, pop music and really aggressive towards them. Because, I mean... Where were we the other day when, um, like, we walked past some alternative goth kids and there was something really popular. Oh, what was it? It was like, I, I swear there was like a pop song playing or something like, oh, I don't even know who that is. And it was like something where it's like, okay, you've been living under a rock your entire life if you don't know who that is. It is. And yeah. like when I was younger, I jammed, should I say. I played guitar with this guy who like, you know, long black coat. Black nail varnish, long black hair, the lot, uh, full blue banana. And um, if you're not from country, you're not going to get that. Uh, and he was like, he came around my Hot house. Topic, he played, I think, is the American yeah. equivalent. And we were playing guitar together and he found my sister's high school musical DVD. He was like, oh man, should we burn it? And I'm like, fucking, what? No. What the fuck? It's, and, and I think, and, and it's one of the wonderful fit. And I, I don't want to go on too much of a tangent. Um, but it's, it is interesting because, I mean, as queer people, I'll listen to Metallica yeah. and I'll listen to Madonna and they're both on my most played. I've never actively hated any genre of music or film necessarily. I've never gone out of my way to hate on anything. Yeah. Um, but there is, you know, particularly with music, this... Um, divide that mm. people have and very famously there were you know 
burning of disco mm. um, vinyls. And, and that, I mean, to be honest, probably was steeped in racism yeah. and homophobia. But people do get really fucking worked up up about different genres of music Mm -hmm. and about what that means. And if you're not allowed to like a certain kind of... Bitch, I'll listen to whatever I like. Yeah. You know, if it's it's got a... Like Sheree would would say, it's got a good beat, then uh, I'll listen to it. (laughs) Was it with Sheree? Yeah. Don't be tired. Don't be uh, tardy for the party. Yeah. Yeah, Sheree was like, got a good beat. <laughs> um, Josie, Valerie and Melody fight Fiona, Wyatt and their security guards. And Do you think a... people Google when, when we talk about shit that people don't understand? Because I do it. If I listen to a podcast and they're talking, making a reference to something I've never heard of, I Google it. Do you think people people are going to Google Sheree? No, everyone knows all our beat. references. What are you on about? <laughs> None of them are obscure at all. Come on, Blue Banana. Um, during this fight scene, Valerie says, Wyatt, you messed with the wrong pussy. Yes. <laughs> Melody does Bunk martial on. <laughs> Melody does martial arts on one of the security guards. She does. And... Uh, <laughs> Josie says to uh, Fiona, you need me. And Fiona says, need you? Doll, I created you and I can destroy you. Now, what Fiona's wearing is a uh, very large dress with a um, very large skirt. Like, um, almost like a wedding dress. But it's pa- it's covered in patches of the record company's logo. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of a serve. But it's also given um, uh, Drag Race, uh, not Makeover Challenge, uh, Sewing Challenge, isn't it? It is. (laughs) That's what they make. Um, During the tussle, Fiona accidentally destroys the machine used to generate the messages, revealing the new subliminal messages to be one that would make Fiona universally popular. Um, she reveals that her lisp made her a social outcast in high school, whilst Wyatt reveals that his appearance is a disguise too. Uh, he went to the same high school as Fiona, but was a persecute, but was a persecuted and unpopular albino. Uh, the two immediately bond. I'm sure this one uh, lands as well in 2023. It hasn't aged very well, I don't think. Um, especially when they revealed that their nicknames were Lisping Lisa and White Ass Wally. Yeah. Um, I mean, hurt people hurt people, don't they? Yeah. But uh, I don't. I don't. The, the the joke doesn't quite land. Now. No. It's kind of gone on from that. But you know, they, they, and everything's uh, a product of its time, yeah. isn't it? Alexander and Alexandra talk about how what the message is of the film. Um, <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Alexandra says, uh, "So what's the moral of the story here? Freaks should date other freaks." <laughs> and Alexander says, "No, I think the moral of the story here is you should be happy with who you are. 
This whole time we've been spending money on expensive clothes to impress people. Never made me happy. No. Hap, oh my gosh, happiness is on the inside. I'm not this. And then he takes his jacket off and starts shaking it around. Yeah, and uh, Alexandra is convinced there's nothing wrong with her, to which the government walk in and say, holy shit, that girl's got a skunk on her head. <laughs> is it, how would you just, it's not really highlights, is it? It's, it's just like, like a streak. A, it's like a streak, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But it does look like a skunk. He is actually correct. <laughs> the government agents colluding with Fiona arrive, uh, but with the conspiracy exposed, they arrest the pair of scapegoats to cover up their involvement in the scheme. <laughs> And this great scene of Josie explaining to the government what's going on. She's got her back to them and you can see they're clearly shitting it, like, in the background. And they're like, oh, oh my God, that's awful. We had no idea. Oh, my God. It's like, what's that clip that keeps uh, popping up on YouTube and and TikTok? That guy where the the burger van is selling cocaine (laughs) hidden under the burgers. Oh, really? I didn't know. Oh, my God. (laughs) Uh, they uh, so the government have abandoned the idea of spreading sublim uh, subliminal. Wow, I'm getting worse. Subliminal messages via music, and they've now decided that movies are more effective. To which we quickly hear Josie and the Pussycats is the best movie ever. <laughs> <laughs> um, with the day saved, Josie, Valerie, and Melody perform the concert finally. Yes, they perform spin around. They perform Spin Around, dedicated to Alan M, the sexiest guy in Riverdale, who isn't there, but turns out is there. Yeah, he arrives and confesses his love for Josie, and somehow she can hear him across that massive crowd, and uh, she returns the feelings. Yeah, so Alan M, the sexiest guy in Riverdale, he's crowd surfing. He is. And uh, declares his love. The uh, concert audience... The concert audience removes their headsets at Josie's suggestion and, now able to judge the band on its own merits for the very first time, they roar their approval. They do. They do. And everyone has a happy ending. And we get some classic early 2000s cheesy outtakes in the credits. We do. Deliver a bit of that. And that is Josie and the Pussycats. Yes. Was really surprised by this one. I was not expecting it to be as good as it was. Um, because, I mean, the low IMDb rating says it all. Um, but again, you know, I think that's very much the difference between Letterboxd and IMDb. There's definitely a higher appreciation of Letterboxd. And I think people who use Letterboxd are both face, but there we go. <gasps> um, no, I, mean, I use both. I use both. But yeah. People seem to be more honest on Letterboxd. And anyway, yeah, it's a great film. Uh, really great cast, great soundtrack, and it's really funny. It's so much better than it ever had any right to be. Yeah. Um, I misjudged it and didn't think it was going to be for me. I was expecting to sit here and call it trash. Yeah. Potentially a trash the piece. But, you know, it's got a clear message... An interesting message. It's funny. It's camp. The music's good. Parker Posey. I'm sold. Yeah. Absolutely. Like really, I I I just had a good time. It's not too long. No. And it's 
gets on with it and it's it's a fun time had by all. Yeah. I, I was entertained. Yeah, there was a couple of issues that I've mentioned, but overall, I think it's held up quite well. It has, yeah. Let's get to the awards. Biggest Queen. I'm going to have to do Biggest Queens Ooh. and give it to Josie and the Pussycats. It's, as character-wise, it's Josie and the Pussycats, but Parker Posey is consistently well, yeah, the best thing course. about every film she's in. Uh, biggest Gasp. I have Wyatt being racist about Valerie. I, I really wasn't expecting it. Yeah, the whole Christina Aguilera thing. Yeah, I, I was. Yeah, I was. It was a gasp. It was unfortunate, an unfortunate gasp. Uh, best dialogue. I have Wyatt. You mess with the wrong pussy, Valerie. <laughs> I uh, I've heard this is not Total Request Live. It's more like Total Request Dead. And that's camp. I have all of Parker Posey's screen time. Absolutely. Everything Parker Posey wears is high camp. Her performance is high camp. Living for it. And ratings, I give it eight Christina and Britney cardboard cutouts out of ten. Oh, oh, I forgot to do a rating. How terrible. I also gave it eight out of ten. With? I can't, I can't think of one. Oh, come on. You can think of plenty of things. Ask me at the end. Uh, Masterpiece, Trash to Beach, Trash or Basic. It's really none of the above. Uh, it's just a great fun time. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I give it eight honks for pussy out of ten. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. Uh, available on DVD. I, do that every d- I need to put that in bigger font so I remember. It's available on DVD and VOD. It's really overdue a Blu-ray release in the UK. And the vinyl is ridiculously expensive. Yeah. And if you enjoy this, I recommend checking out Debs because it's got the exact same tone uh, and Debs is even better. And queer. It is. Which makes every film better. Uh, if you enjoyed this, I recommend checking out Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion. Yeah. I think it has a very similar energy and a similar grasp on mm, camp. Alan Cumming. And Alan Cumming is in both films. Yeah. So if you are a fan of Josie and the Pussycats, let us know on social media. We are Horrorcore Trash over on Facebook and Instagram, Horrorcore Trash on Twitter. I'm Gaz 92 on Letterboxd, Gazmo205 on Instagram and GazCruz92 on Twitter. I'm ChrisBarker823 on Instagram and Letterboxd. And if you enjoy all things camp, then you should definitely come to our festival, Gasp Horror Festival. If you'd like more details, it's Gasp Horror Fest across all social media. Give us a rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. Like and follow on everything else. No, that's not subliminal messaging. You can actually hear that as telling you to give us nice ratings. Horrorcore Trash Ever is the best podcast ever. Uh, we'll be back on Friday giving you our highlights from this year's BFI Flair LGBTQIA Plus Festival. We always do it every year and we're back discussing it again this year with even more highlights of films that you should definitely watch. And next week... Much to your delight, the listeners who love listening to us discuss trash, as we've heard before, uh, and much to our horror, we're bringing you three more Hellraiser sequels. We will be discussing Hellraiser Deader, Hellraiser Hellworld, and Hellraiser Revelations. So, between now and then, if you haven't heard our other Hellraiser episodes, you've got a chance to catch up. Yes, and when you do catch up, you'll realise that they progressively get worse yeah. as they go on. Yeah. I have not seen these three films. 
I don't particularly want to watch these three films, but Gary's forcing me to. So. Well, we've got to finish the franchise, and by the end of the show, I'm not a completionist. Yeah, I'm not a completionist. But I'm sure our listeners have are. I don't have to finish I'm sorry. anything. Do you want it to be the Gary show? Do you want me to do it on my own? <laughs> Could you imagine? By the end of this year, we'll have finished this Harry as a franchise on this podcast. Spoiler <laughs> alert. We will be getting Harry's a Judgment and the remake by the end of the year. But yes. Not Paranormal Activity, please. Well, we need another franchise soon. Don't. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it will. the episode will include two of the worst Harry as a films. And with that being said, we'll be back. I suffer for my art. We'll be back same time, same place on Friday. Bye. Bye.